Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. We are delighted to be joined now by University of Miami head basketball coach Jim Laranega. We are in the uh, summer months, and recruiting is changing all the time, and Coach L uh, reconstructing the roster. Coach L, how you doing? I'm doing good, Joe. Uh, looking forward to getting back in the gymnasium with our players very soon. We're, we're going to be uh, doing individual skill work uh, starting this week. What does your roster look like right now? Are you are you happy with where you are right now in the summer? Well, we have 12 scholarship players as of now. We're looking to add one more. We'd like to get a big guy. We only have a few big guys. So, you know, based on uh, the amount of players that get injured now, uh, we need to really protect ourselves with one more big guy and hopefully someone really good who can have a major impact. You did add two transfers, uh, Jordan and Miller and Charlie Moore. What kind of impact do you think they can have on your program? Oh, I think huge. Uh, Charlie Moore is a point guard. He was preseason uh, first team all Big East. He led the Big East in in assists. He'll take Chris Likes' spot. I think our fans will will like Charlie just like they like Chris. And then uh, our fans never got a chance to really see Earl Timberlake at his best. He transferred, but then Jordan Miller from George Mason transferred in. Very similar players. Jordan, uh, left-handed like Earl, 6'6 six, six or 7, was the leading scorer and leading rebounder for George Mason. So uh, he should be uh, a significant contributor right away. And you have a couple of freshmen that are also coming in. It's always important, I would imagine, to continue to replenish your roster with a freshman class. Yeah, we, we've got a young man named Wooga Poplar. And Wooga is uh, his nickname. Uh, Wooga is about six four or five, a very good shooter, very good athlete, uh, and I would say similar to Isaiah Wong, where he might uh, need to have some grooming his freshman year, but I would imagine by his sophomore year, uh, he he'll really uh, fit in well. And then uh, Jakai Robinson comes out of the DMV, the Washington D.C. area, probably the best high school basketball in the country. He's six five strong, competitive, very much like a warrior. So I think physically uh, he's going to be ready right away. How do you uh, weigh 
the recruiting uh, freshmen against the recruiting of uh, the transfer portal? Do you put more weight into one or value them both the same? Well, what's interesting, Joe, if you asked me that uh, a, a couple of years ago before the rules changed, we were so successful recruiting guys like Shane Larkin, Angel Rodriguez, Sheldon McClellan, Kamari Murphy. We had a lot of very good transfers who came in, sat out a year, worked on their skills, got indoctrinated into the way we do things at Miami, and it worked out very well for us and for them. But now transfers are eligible right away, so you don't get a chance to kind of groom them, which means we have to figure out who, which guys are able to help right away, and that's really what you're going to have to do with incoming freshmen. Because if a freshman doesn't get to play much, chances are he's going to transfer because he doesn't have to sit in another place. He can just go play right away. So it's going to be a balancing act of trying to have several good freshmen. This year we'll have two or three freshmen and and then two or three transfers. And I don't think either one of them is a priority. Uh, I, I should say both of them are a priority. Freshmen during the fall and transfers in the spring. How do you think uh, the NIL is going to work into all of this? Well, NIL stands for name, image, and likeness, and that uh, a student-athlete of any sport can generate income via social media. And if they can get sponsors that pay for them and they get hits on their websites or they do a commercial or what have you, and the university is in the process of interviewing companies to actually educate our student-athletes in regard to how they can make money off their name, image, and likeness. And I've even recommended to our academic people that we should have a class where the faculty in the business world, the entrepreneurs uh, on our, our faculty, uh, can teach kids how to, how to make money very early on. Uh, and it's my understanding that, that women will even be more popular in terms of making income because people hit on a, a website, a young lady who's basically promoting makeup, clothing, perfume. It's, it's a, a situation where people who go on social media a lot like to hear about what the best athletes are wearing and doing in the women's world. So I don't know how many basketball players are going to fall into that category. A guy like Zion Williamson, yeah, people are going to want to know, hey, what jewelry do you buy? What sneaker do you wear? Uh, but uh, for most uh, student athletes, most basketball players, I don't think there's going to be a tremendous amount of interest in them. And hence, it'll be they will not be able to generate the kind of income that, that people are, are uh, talking about. We are talking University of Miami basketball with head coach Jim Laranaga. Also, during the offseason, uh, you added a new assistant coach, DJ Irving. Uh, Adam Fisher goes to Penn State, and that led you to uh, Philadelphia to get Coach Irving. Yeah, Joe, uh, you know I loved Adam Fisher. was a great part of our program during his uh, six, no, seven years here. And he spent a couple of years as the director of ops and then several as a full-time assistant. So he was really like, I think, eight years with us. And as a result, uh, he left some big shoes to fill. And one of the, the, 
the shoes that left to fill was someone who could continue our pipeline to the Philadelphia area. Adam was responsible. He was the point person that recruited Lonnie Walker. He recruited Isaiah Wong. He recruited Sam Wardenberg. He recruited uh, Deng Gak. He recruited DJ Vasilovich. So he was he was a, a terrific recruiter, an excellent coach. So we went about the process of looking for someone who could at least recruit the Philadelphia area like Adam was doing. And uh, I got some very strong recommendations about DJ Irving. And uh, I talked to DJ. My staff talked to him. We did Zoom meetings with him. I actually talked to recruits and said, hey, do you know this guy? And, and they said, yeah, oh, yeah, he's an AAU coach. He's a high school coach. We really like him. He's a good guy. So when you get a lot of good recommendations and you research the guy's background, and what I was really looking for, Joe, is someone younger. When I say younger, younger than me, which wasn't hard to find. <laughs> but then younger than Bill Courtney and younger than Chris Caputo. Uh, you know, a guy who was a little bit more the age or close to it of the student athletes that we're working with right now. Kind of someone who would be like an older brother, a mentor, a role model. And DJ Irving checked all the boxes. I think we are getting uh, closer to uh, normalcy because I noticed that you did announce uh, in terms of the schedule, we are back into a, 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 a tournament, a uh, tournament in Orlando. looks like it's going to, we were there before, but you're back in one of those ESPN uh, holiday tournaments. And, and th those are always very good. Yeah. Last year we were supposed to go to Cancun and it got canceled. So we never got to play in a tournament last year. And the, the, the season was reduced to 25 games instead of 30 or 31. So this year we are going uh, to Orlando. We will bus up there around Thanksgiving time. And the interesting thing is the field is awesome. Kansas will probably be the number one seed. Georgetown is in it. A lot of very good teams. Alabama. So we're going to have our hands full. But we'll have a veteran team. I'm excited about the guys who are returning. Especially, you know, our backboard should be very strong again, Joe, with Charlie Moore. And then add Isaiah Wong and Cam Augusti, two returners who both average double figures. You add to that the freshman we're bringing in and the transfer in uh, Jordan Miller. So we're going to have six, six perimeter players that can really hold their own against anybody. The big key is going to be the front court. Sam Wardenberg is back, 6'10", really worked on his shooting. He couldn't do anything else because of the broken foot. So we're going to still be looking for some help in the front court, but uh, that ESPN event in Orlando should be a terrific competition and a good way to measure ourselves nationally. Do you feel or do you have a, a feeling one way or the other about Isaiah Wong and Cam Augusti? I know they were pursuing uh, some NBA dreams. You know, they're both waiting on the call from the NBA to see if they're going to be selected for the NBA Combine. If they're selected for the NBA Combine, that's going to change uh, the, the, the projection. Because if they go to the NBA Combine and play really well, then there are going to be some NBA people very interested in them. However, two other possibilities. Number one, they don't get invited, so the NBA doesn't get a chance to take a closer look. Or number two, they get there, but they don't have the kind of performance that would lead to an NBA team wanting to invest 
a draft choice in them. So we won't know for quite some time. They'll, they'll be declaring uh, their situation not until the end of June or 1st of July. Uh, do you feel pretty good? Uh, maybe it's too early, but do you feel pretty good about uh, being able to put together a normal non-conference schedule this year? I really do. We're, we're in good shape. We need a home opener. Other than a home opener, we basically have our non-conference schedule set. We don't know uh, who we're going to play in the ACC Big Ten Challenge yet, but we know we're going to be on the road. Hopefully the ACC will will put us pretty much on the East Coast. I'd like to play uh, a Maryland or Rutgers or Penn State because we're going to leave from Orlando and our next game uh, is going to be the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And I would much prefer to be on the East Coast rather than the Midwest. You do have two other players coming back, Harlan Beverly, Anthony Walker. Walker finished very strong for you last year. Harlan was coming off an injury. Uh, but w- w- what do you see in those two guys here during the offseason? Well, just to give our fans a bit of information, you know, Harlan really struggled. That back of his hurt him in every way, offensively, defensively. He couldn't even sit during timeouts because when he sat, the pressure on his back was too great. The pain was too great. He shot 40% from the foul line during the season. He texted me last Saturday. He was in the gym shooting, and uh, there was a guy rebounding for him, and he made 91 straight free throws. (laughs) So he's back being able to shoot. He's playing without pain. He can't really run and jump yet. This is all standstill shooting. But he's shooting the ball much better than he did as a freshman or a sophomore. He's corrected one of the flaws that he had in his shot. And it continues to improve. And we're talking, it's only May. So we've got the rest of May, all of June, all July, all of August, all September and October to get him ready for the season. I think he's going to have a much, much better junior year than his previous two seasons. And Anthony Walker, he finished really strong for you. He was a uh, almost a double-double performer for you in every game down the stretch. Well, there's a big key. Uh, Anthony really improved his effort. And if he can take another giant step, there's no telling how good he can be and what he can do. Because he's the most athletic guy on the team. He can really score in around the basket. His three-point shooting is going to be uh, a, a major priority for improvement, and if he's if he's able to make some strides, uh, he'll be a, a a key factor in our run to try to win another ACC championship. You know, I've had this conversation with a couple of coaches. One of the things about the portal, I think, that shocked everybody so far in college basketball, and maybe it was your friend uh, Dick Vitale that tweeted this out. One of the shocking things has been the amount of stars, guys that were stars on teams, and they left where they've already had success. Why do you think guys that are having success at a particular program, high-level success, star success, have decided to move on? Yeah, I, I think kids are kids. Despite the fact that they're having success, they look at it as, yeah, they had me playing the four, and I'd rather play the three. And if I go to this other school, they got a bunch of big guys, so I can move to the perimeter and show the NBA scouts I'm really a three-man. 
I even heard one of our ACC coaches said a player came in to him and said, you're playing me at the two. I know I'm starting. I know I'm averaging double figures. But I really think to get to the NBA, i got to play the point. And we already have a good point guard. So I'm going to transfer to someone who will play me at the point. So kids have their own reasons. And they've got their agents. They have their parents. They have their friends. They have their AAU coaches who – Love the idea of, hey, try it someplace else if you're not totally satisfied. I have to ask you one more thing because I haven't spoken to you since this occurred. But will it be? I would imagine it will be very strange for you this year to walk towards center court, toward the Carolina bench, reach out to shake hands, and it's not Roy Williams in a plaid jacket, but it's Hubert Davis. Yeah, Roy is a legend, one of the greatest coaches of all time. He coached. Uh, the Kansas Jayhawks for a decade he took them to the Final Four a number of times, won several national championships at Carolina. He's just a little younger than me, Joe. You know, he, he's one of those veteran guys that uh, I love to, to compete against them because they're so experienced. Their teams are always so talented, so well coached, so well disciplined. But, uh, he just decided to, to call it a career. Uh, I, I was not totally surprised because one of the things about the University of North Carolina, they've had so much consistency over the years. And most recently, in two of the last three seasons, they've been a little bit inconsistent in terms of recruiting and winning. And it's not about coaching. It's about kids not being satisfied with playing time. Yeah. So I just looked at their roster. One of the amazing things is the guys who left their program this year, either to go pro or transfer, were 6'10", 6'11", 6'11", 7 foot. And Carolina's always been a great place for big guys. They had four of them. Not not one of them, you know, graduated and stayed. They all just packed their bags and left. Mm. So uh, Deron, uh, Deron Sharp, he, he went to the NBA, but Walter Kessler transferred to, to Auburn. Garrison Brooks, who was the preseason ACC Player of the Year, he transferred, I think, I think it was to Mississippi. Yeah. Or Mississippi State. Mississippi State, I think. So they've lost three really, no, four really good big guys. So we'll have to see if if Hubert Davis actually changes the, the Carolina system. Because when we played them, Joe, there were always seven things we wanted to do on offense and seven things we wanted to do on defense. And it was the same seven every time we play. Our scouting report and our game plan was identical for our 10 years here at the University of Miami playing the University of North Carolina. The last thing for you, uh, I know this is the time of the year, you know, speaking of strategy and that stuff, I know this is the time of the year you always examine schemes and strategies. Is there anything that jumps out to you right now that you want to add or delete? Yeah, I, I think the first thing is we're going to have to evaluate our personnel. You know, all through this summer, we'll be looking to see how good our incoming freshmen are, how good our transfers are, where do they fit in. I think they'll fit in very well. In examining last season, 
We did not have any depth. We're going to try to develop a lot more depth this year. And with that, we hope to play faster, more up-tempo, more pressure defense, force more turnovers, get out into the open court more often. Coach, it's been a great pleasure to talk to you. Can't wait to see you now. And uh, hopefully um, we'll get back to normal and be able to talk to you a little bit more in person. But have a great summer. Thank you for being with us. Uh, Thanks, Joe. Always good to talk with you. Are you dreaming about a summer with luxury? How about a visit to the Williamson Cadillac showroom where there is nothing but luxury? You can experience the iconic style and bold sophistication of a Cadillac SUV. It's an experience from start to finish you can only get at Williamson Cadillac. So this summer, reward yourself and move up to a Cadillac. Williamson Cadillac has been a part of Miami's unique community for over 52 years. And Williamson Cadillac serves this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here because Williamson is Miami. Ed Williamson, his lovely wife, Carol Williamson, they have fostered goodwill and pride in service in this community. How about experience everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer with its award-winning lineup? You can make a statement in their unmistakable XT crossover engineered to stand out. I am driving the X-T5. It is absolutely magnificent. Or excite your senses in Williamson's CT sedan series or ride in the original icon, the Cadillac Escalade. You can view their entire lineup online at WilliamsonCadillac.com. Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Hurricane baseball team in Charlotte, North Carolina this week to take on two ACC foes at the ACC tournament, maybe a few more. Florida State and Duke are in the bracket. And joining us now to talk Hurricane baseball is the skipper, Gino Damari. And first of all, congratulations on the way your team played this past weekend against Louisville. Very impressive. You go to Louisville and sweep the Cardinals. Yeah, thanks, Joe. It, it was, uh, you know, certainly a big weekend. Uh, last two weekends really big for us, you know, Georgia Tech and Louisville and being able to win five out of six, um, five in a row, uh, losing the first game on Friday to Georgia Tech last week. So, you know, um, this is the time you got to get it going. Um, thought our pitchers threw w- really well over the weekend. Our pitching staff was as good as, good if, as we've pitched as a staff all year and Better late than never. This is the time we want to get hot. And, uh, of course, I'd like to see our bats get going, too, as well, so we can put it all together as we get ready to play the ACC tournament. Your team is really showing a taste for the battle here the last two weekends against Georgia Tech in Louisville. How proud are you of the way the team has been fighting? No, really proud because the fact that we've just gone through so much. The year's been tough on everybody. we, We knew going into it, the COVID and all those different things, but the fact that one of the things that COVID did is it changed our schedule and we, we got kicked back six games instead of playing 56, we played 50 games. They added six games to our conference schedule, which means we played 36 instead of 30 and just knew this was going to be a battle because you're basically playing every weekend an ACC opponent and our, our other weekends, our two weekends, one was the Gators. And so, you know, in our midweek games are always tough. We played extremely well in midweek games, but 
it was an up and down year. You know, it was a roller coaster. We were inconsistent, some tough, you know, tough teams, and kind of beat up on each other. And as you can see in our conference, that's what's happened. And some of the teams that were kind of surprises, like Pitt, Virginia tech that were ranked early they're starting to kind of feel the <laughs> feel the pain of beating up on each other and they're struggling they might be looking on the outside looking in possibly here with the tournament but um we've kind of navigated through it and uh we're we're in a position now a good position going into the acc tournament we're the top seed in our pool we only finished a half game out of winning the coastal with all the things that happened this year we finished a half game and that half game was because we didn't get to play Wake Forest on Sunday uh, because of COVID. Again, another COVID situation. We won the first two games against Wake Forest, and Sunday they they couldn't play us because they didn't have enough players because of COVID. And so that game there, if we won that game, would have made us the Coastal Division champs, which is amazing because we were so up and down this year. Yeah, no, no question about that. Ray Gill said something interesting. He said everybody was in the dugout for the first time this year, and he thought from an energy level that made a big difference. You know, it did. Um, it did. Uh, we, we've been separated for, for most of the uh, year, and uh, you know, almost every team we play, everybody's in the dugout. And so, uh, you know, we, we got to uh, Louisville. Of course, the dugouts were pretty spaced out and big, and they didn't have a bullpen area for us to go to anyway. So we um, – because their bullpen's in play. So there was nowhere for us to guy, our guys to sit. So it, 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 you could tell the energy was a lot more electric in dugouts. I think the the bullpen guys felt a lot more part of the team, which is crazy to say, but you know they haven't been in the dugout during the games and they've been separated. And that's that's kind of really unfair to be honest with you. It's a team you want them to be together and pull for each other and cheer for each other. And so you know that's uh, I agree with Ray and absolutely I think it played a, a significant role in our guys playing well uh this weekend or this week coming up you have florida state and duke uh you don't play until later in the week thursday and friday so a little bit of time off uh maybe we should start there how does that affect your team you got a couple of extra days off does it affect you the way you're going to uh pitch in this tournament you know it it doesn't i mean look you you don't want to have to play too soon we just finished on saturday and you know if you had to play tuesday that means you're bumping up somebody uh, significantly, a few days anyways, uh, say if you threw your ace on Tuesday um, and he threw on Thursday, that's, I mean, that's, you're talking only five days rest. So that's not something you'd want to do. So I, I, I don't mind the fact that we're playing a little bit later. It gives our bullpen a rest. We used our bullpen a lot this weekend. They were outstanding. Um, and it also gives us, you know, us playing Thursday, we get to see, when, I believe it's Wednesday, FSU plays Duke. And that'll dictate what we do. The, the outcome of that game will dictate what we do in our game on Thursday and, of course, Friday, too, as well. So we'll be able to kind of sit back and watch and, and uh, be able to maneuver our pitching staff and our bullpen by how the FSU-Duke game comes out. You know, I should mention that uh, of all the guys we've talked about this year, here are the last three weeks or so. Uh, a player that's been very impressive for you is Jake Smith. He's been your number two starter. And you look at his numbers, Gino, his strikeout-to-walk ratio is really impressive. The ball seems to be exploding out of his hands. Uh, how about the way he's pitched for you? He nailed it. I mean, he's, he's, he's one of some guys that have really stepped it up. But he's certainly, as a starter, he's probably been our most dominant guy. And the numbers don't lie. Um, he got an opportunity and he's taking full advantage of it. And um, it's something that we, 
it was a big part of our inconsistencies was our starting pitching. We weren't getting any innings out of them. We were going to our bullpen way too early. We were down big, big in a lot of games early. And that was tough on our team, very tough on our team. And now you're getting guys like Jake and Jake Smith, uh, who's to me, I mean, you say he's our number two, but he's been pitching like a number one. And, um, you know, it's it, it's it's been a big, big, uh, I won't say surprise, because Jake, Jake came in highly touted, but maybe hadn't pitched quite to where he is now, say in the fall or even in the spring, early in the spring. Um, but he's kind of put it together where he has been pretty dominant. Uh, Ray Gill, we're going to talk with Ray Gill on the show also, and uh, his bat has caught fire over 400 in the last 15 games, two home run game against uh, Louisville. I would imagine uh, him hitting at that DH spot uh, right now is an important role for you in terms of him, the way he's swinging the bat and looking very comfortable at home plate. Yeah, that's a good word, comfortable. I'd say confident. He's pretty confident at the plate right now. Um, he's been down in our lineup, and I say got like you're saying, he's probably been our hottest hitter over the last 15 games, but we're still hitting him, you know, in the sixth spot or seventh spot, depending on who's pitching. Um, but he's a veteran guy. Guys like him and Terrell, those guys that hit kind of in the middle back side of the order, six, usually they're six and seven when they hit for us. Those guys are going to play a huge factor in how far we go. Uh, both are very, very, you know, experienced guys that have done it before, have had success. Um, and Ray's getting it going now, and Alex has certainly been, been 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 doing well too. You know, he's a little inconsistent, but he's you know a guy that can really, if he catches on fire, he can be one of the more dominant hitters in the country, power hitters that is. So, uh, but Ray's uh, is one of those guys that um, you know we're going to lean on. We 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 need him to be that guy. He's accepted the role as a DH, and and he's done a great job. You know, going back to your to your pitching staff in general overall. Uh, the impact they had in that Louisville series. Uh, let's talk a l- little bit about the importance of that carrying over. But those guys, whoever took the ball and then handed it to the next guy, it just seemed like one guy wanted to match the previous guy out there. Everybody pitched beautifully for you. They did. I mean, you know, starting with Alejandro, who hadn't started, <laughs> he he was, you know, moved to the bullpen. Um, and then here we put him in that opening game, and he gives us a great outing. Because uh, again, he's not been extended for a period of time, so he can't be in there for six, seven innings. So, but he gave us a good, good, st- good start, and then we turned it over to bullpen, like you said. And each guy, I mean, they all did a great job. I mean, guys like Spencer Bedanza and Andrew Walters, of course, Palmquist, outstanding. Fetter Palmquist and Bedanza were scratched yesterday because they threw the first two nights, so we had we couldn't throw them again. So we knew that going in. Fetterman was going to play a huge role for us and some of the other guys too. Um, and of course, we brought Walters back in and um, you know, McFarland threw there, albeit it was a few hitters. I think he had some bad luck because he struck a guy out, but we had a pass ball. That guy got on first, but he ended up walking somebody. We didn't have to go to the pen there, but Fetterman stepped up and threw two plus, like two and two thirds yesterday for us. And those are, those are your toughest innings. I mean, and uh, you know, like you said, Joe, I think just about everybody that got the ball did their job and did it well. I think everybody was proud of the way Fetterman uh, battled against Louisville and even going back against uh, Georgia Tech. I think it was important to see him have that kind of success, and it was fun to watch him have success. He's been a guy that's been, I've said it before, a jack-of-all-trades. He's done everything we've asked him. He's been a starter, a Friday starter, 
He's been a different starter. He's been a, a week midweek starter early in his career. He's been a closer. He's been a setup guy. He's been a long guy. And um, whatever role we've put him in, um, he's accepted it. And he's, um, you know, this this one here, I mean, might have been one of the better ones because, again, it's, those last two innings, three innings, he came in the seventh, you know, are, are the toughest innings. And that's why we turned the ball over to Pop with so much. Um, but Fetterman... Um, he stepped up big, stepped up really big, and that's a huge win for us and for our program as we move forward to the ACC tournament. We should explain to our audience the at the ACC tournament, the format's a little bit different. I think it changes about every other year. Now we're down to four, four pods with uh, three teams, so you're going to play two games, at least two games. You get two games, but you know the way the numbers work out, it's possible you're in the semifinals before game number two. It's possible you had to win game number two to get to the semis. Uh, all kinds of mathematical ramifications. How do you manage your way through this? Well, like I said earlier, you know that first game that Florida State and Duke plays will dictate what we do. Um, just to make it simple, if, if Duke wins – then that game that we play against Duke on Thursday is going to be for everything. I mean, if, if we win the game against Duke, uh, we're in. Right. Because we're the highest seed, and that's why I made the comment about that win against Louisville is huge on Sun Saturday because it has allowed us to be the number four seed. There's only the, the top four teams in the conference get to be the number one seed in their pools. We're the number one, we're the highest seeded team in our pool. So if we tie, we'll go one and one, we, uh, we move on. And so that game against Duke, if Duke beats FSU, is for everything. And if FSU beats Duke, then the Duke game is uh, not for everything. It'll be the FSU game, if that makes any sense. So, you know, it's uh, we'll see how that goes. That'll kind of dictate how we, you know, work our staff and then uh, uh, but it, you know it's it is a it's not a true format of a double elimination like some of the other tournaments but it protects arms i mean at the end of the day the ncaa tournament is the biggest tournament and that's what we're trying to get ready for um i think that we certainly can say we're going to be in the ncaa tournament now i don't think that's going to be an issue now but but you want to be fresh and you don't want to have to use all your arms going into that so this tournament does allow for that where you, everybody's guaranteed two games and, um, you know, it, it just protects guys and, and pitching staffs and things like that, which I think is very, very important. Yeah. And, and most importantly, as you mentioned, a couple of things. One, because you are a number one seed in terms of your bracket, uh, four seed overall, you get the tiebreaker, which is very important at the ACC tournament. Furthermore, you probably have played yourself into a higher or at least a very sound seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and the farther we go in this ACC tournament, you know, better chances we have of increasing our, uh, you know, us in the NCAA tournament, like you said, whether whether we can get to be a number one seed or we're a two seed or where we go. Maybe they put us in a bracket that, you know, it's more maybe more beneficial to us because you know, the higher we are, you'd like to think, you know, they might put you in a, uh, you know, a bracket more that's more suitable for where you deserve to be. Sometimes that's not the case. It might have to do with the region and where you're closest to going, but I hope they don't do that. But again, uh, if we can play well and, and make a run at this in the ACC tournament, who knows? You might play yourself, you win the ACC tournament, you might play yourself into being the number one seed somewhere. Right. 
Well, your team is playing really well right now. Gino Damari, head coach of the University of Miami baseball team, Hurricanes, uh, top four seed at the ACC tournament. The number one seed in their bracket will play Duke and Florida State and uh, at the ACC tournament. Nice finish with a sweep of Louisville. Gino, thank you, and congratulations. Best of luck at the ACC tournament. Thank you, Joe. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. It's a great time of the year for college baseball, and joining us, a expert on college baseball from Baseball America, Teddy Cahill is with us. The University of Miami is ranked number 24 in the nation. We will get to the Hurricanes in just one moment. Uh, Teddy, thanks for being with us. Teddy from Baseball America. Who has the best team in college baseball right now? Yeah, I mean, right now you got to look at Arkansas. That's been true for most of the year now. They've, they've run off a really impressive streak as the number one team in the country. They, just this last weekend, wrapped up their first SEC regular season title since 2014. They uh, they hit really well. They have uh, an impressive pitching staff. They might have the best reliever in the country. They play premium defense. They've uh, they've definitely earned their status as the uh, as the number one team in college baseball. Who has uh, the most to gain in uh, the tournaments this week? The tournaments around the country getting underway. Who has the most to gain and who has the most to lose? Uh, that's uh, It's a really interesting year for conference tournaments because I think a lot of times this week we would be looking at the hosting race as a team that would have the most to gain. But with the NCAA changing the host site selection process so that we already know the 20 teams that they're picking from, I just feel like a lot of that is, is much more wrapped up this year than it already would be. So, I mean, if you're looking at somebody to that has a lot to gain, you know, I mean, you, you could look at maybe an Ole Miss or uh, that's trying to get to a, a top eight national seed. And, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of teams playing with, with something to lose this weekend. I think, I think a lot of teams on the bubble are, are just playing to get in. There's not a whole lot of teams that think are in danger of playing their way out of the field. The bubble has just been so soft this year that uh, there's, there's just a lot of teams looking to prove that they belong in the field of 64. The University of Miami ranked number 24 now, coming off a sweep of Louisville. The Hurricanes actually finished uh, finished out of the race uh, in the uh, uh, Coastal Division by half a game. That half a game actually comes down to a game that they did not play against Wake Forest. Uh, needless to say, uh, where, where does Miami uh, Miami's going to be in the tournament? But wh- what are your thoughts of where the University of Miami is right now? Yeah, that was uh, an unfortunate deal where Wake was coming off of their COVID pause and they weren't able to play the last game of their, their series at Miami and because Miami beat Georgia Tech, if, if you just give them a win against Wake Forest, which isn't the easiest thing to do, but Wake Forest was one of the two teams to miss the tournament, you know, they, they would win the division. Um, I, I think, though, where Miami stands now, they're likely going to be a two-seed in all likelihood. You know, they weren't named one of the potential hosts. They've played their way into a position where in a normal year we'd be talking about, like, well, if they go to they go to Charlotte and play okay, like maybe Miami can get a host spot. But that's not possible this year. The best they can hope for is to get sent on the road as a number one seed as opposed to a number two seed. And I don't know how likely I think that would be. Uh, I mean, if they go out and win the ACC tournament, that's what's going to happen. But... Uh, short of anything like that, I think they're probably just going out as a two seed somewhere and 
um, you know, probably a, a pretty decent spot as a two seed. But I, you know, it's uh, once you once you start shuffling teams into regionals, it, it becomes uh, complicated in a hurry, given all the all the different criteria you have to keep in mind when you're creating regionals. Yeah. I've seen them shipped everywhere from Austin, Texas to Nashville to Charlotte, uh, going back to Charlotte. So I, I imagine it could be just about any place. Yeah, that, that's about right. I mean, Gainesville is one like surefire location that, that you would have to look at. Uh, you know, Florida State's in a pretty similar boat. So probably one of those two teams is going to Gainesville and, you know, trying to guess whether that's the Knowles or the Canes is, uh, is pretty complicated. And then once you move out of that possibility, yeah, like, like you said, you know, they, they could go uh, any number of places. I think, though, at this point, they've probably played their way to, to a point where they don't have to go to Nashville or Austin. I, I think you're looking at a, a bit more of an advantageous uh, regional at this point. Teddy Cahill of Baseball America is our guest. How about Florida and Florida State? What are their chances, their prospects in the postseason? How far do you see those two teams going in the tournament? Well, Florida is a very interesting team. They, uh, of course, were the the number one team in the country coming into the year. Haven't quite lived up to that billing. Uh, Some injuries have have made them not as deep as we thought they were going to be, and they just haven't haven't all clicked for, for the Gators. But the talent's still there. Uh, and they, they have what it takes to make a run. I just don't know that you've seen the consistency from them against top-end top competition this season to think that uh, you know they, w- they would be able to put together a couple weeks uh, against high-end competition and make it to Omaha. But they probably will be playing at home uh, in, in regionals, and, and that's, uh, that's important for them because they play a lot better in Gainesville. Florida State, I, I, I've liked Florida State a lot this season. You know, they came down and they played Miami really, really well. Uh, they just took a tough loss uh, at NC State this last weekend, but I still think the Knolls are one of the best three teams, four teams in the conference. And uh, you know, if they if they were to put it all together, I really like the way they pitch. If they were to put together a couple good weeks at the at the plate, I mean, that's a team that could go to Omaha. Uh, basically, just on the strength of the pitching staff, they just need to find find the the bats to be consistent enough to to support that kind of run. Uh, the draft will be in July. Who will be some of the top college players, a handful of the college players uh, that we should keep an eye on that uh, in a couple of years we'll see in the major leagues? We have the Marlins, of course, here, uh, so we'll go to the ballpark. Who are some of the college guys that you see advancing to the majors in a hurry? Well, I mean, I, I guess you got to start with the Vanderbilt pitchers that that's Kamar Rocker and Jack Leiter um they might not they probably won't go one and two in the draft like there was a lot of chatter about uh if you if you wind up the clock back to to March or even early April they probably aren't going to go one two anymore but they are still two of the most polished big league ready players in this draft class uh Texas ace Ty Madden has really uh been, been impressive all season long he's just another solid pitcher from, from the state of Texas. And he's, uh, he's been integral to the Longhorns being where they're at. And then, uh, you know, Louisville catcher Henry Davis has, uh, has kind of been one of the, the, the few college hitters that's really moved to the forefront, really helped himself this year. I think he could be playing his way uh, into a top three, top four pick uh, in, in the draft this year. And then again, uh, back to the University of Miami for a moment. Uh, Adrian Del Castillo, where do you see him going, number one? And number two, do you think the Canes can make a run toward Omaha? 
Yeah, Adrian has, you know, he came into the, the year as a potential, like, really high top five pick. Hasn't quite had the consistent season, but the bat hasn't shown the impact power that I think scouts were hoping to see from him. He's still probably going to get drafted, I would guess, in the first round, but I, I would think it would be more towards the back of the first round at this point. Um, but he's uh, he's been a little difficult to place, I feel like, for, for our draft writers. And then uh, Miami has, I like, I've been impressed with how they've, you know, it just feels like the team has kind of reshaped a few different times. And, you know, given how much young talent, experienced talent there was on the roster, I'm not that surprised to see that. I I think they might have hit on something right now, though, that that can work for them. uh, They've got what it takes, you know, like I'm talking about with, with Florida and Florida State, like Miami has the talent to make a run in the tournament. It's just a matter of doing it consistently over two difficult weekends uh, and doing it on the road. I mean, that's a lot to ask, but I, I do think they have they have exciting talent that you know, especially when you start talking about you know having you know a, one of the better relievers in the country and, and you know some difference makers like De, like a Del Castillo. You know, I, I think they do have the, the potential to to make a nice run here in June. Well, it's a great time of the year for college baseball fans, especially for those of the University of Miami. We will keep following on Baseball America and following college baseball through Baseball America. Teddy Cahill, thank you for being on the show with us. Absolutely. It's a, like you said, it's a great time of year. Thanks a lot. And we thank everybody for being on the show with us here tonight. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.